0: Drop a line of comments. Let us know that you're joining us this morning. For everyone in the lobby and in the auditorium, would you please stand and worship with us this morning? Here we go.
1: This morning amen
2: and amen, amen can we just thank god for how good of a father he is to us you guys can have a seat and let's thank god guys it's great to be with you this morning i just want to say welcome to those online as well listen if you are visiting for the first time today please stop by the welcome center we have something to give you by just saying thanks for joining us and checking things out here at crossroads Listen, I got a few things I want to share with you, and then I want to invite someone up to the stage here in just a minute. But listen, today from three to five over in the gym, we have our Operation Christmas Child packing party. So we're going to be packing these shoe boxes, and we're going to be hanging out, and there'll be there'll be some fun, there'll be some laughs, and I'm like I'm trying to teach my kids, serving is fun, thinking about other people brings joy. And so please join us today from 3 to 5. There's nothing to sign up for. Just come. We just need hands, willing hands, and willing hearts. So please join us today at 3 to 5 in the gym for our Operation Christmas Child Packing Party. As well as, listen, starting uh, today and tomorrow um, and going through all the way till next Monday. Uh, our Operation Christmas Child Collection Week is happening. And so please bring in your filled shoe boxes. And you can see in your bulletin the times of where you can bring those in. But it starts today and goes all the way till uh, the following Monday, the 22nd. So we're looking forward to watching what God's going to bring in and how our church is just. It's been awesome. It's, I love seeing our church just respond and, re, and respond to what God is calling us to do. This is a mission, and so we're really just looking forward to watching what God's going to do. And then also on the 24th, we have our Thanksgiving Eve service. So before you uh, have Thanksgiving the following day, come before that, come that evening before and join us for our worship and communion service at 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium. So just a night of just being thankful, being grateful through song and communion and hearing stories of people that have been changed by Jesus. So it's always a powerful time. So we look forward to seeing you all on the 24th at 7 p.m. And then listen, Ernie Haas is coming. Signature sound on the 2nd and 3rd of December. And then after each of those nights, after the concert, over in the gym, we're having our signature desserts. We like, we thank God for signature desserts. We thank God. We like, we like food here, right? So please go to our website and grab your ticket. And our challenge to our church is to invite someone to come with you. There's nothing more powerful than... Say, hey, inviting somebody. Go a step further. Say, hey, would you come and sit with us as we hear this this band, this band that's going to be singing. They're wonderful. They're Grammy-nominated, uh, Dove award-winning, and they're phenomenal live. They're, they're, they're fun, too. They're really fun. So this is a family thing. We're just looking forward to seeing you all on the 2nd and the 3rd of December. And so if you guys would look in your bulletin and see the birthday gift to Jesus list, and we're just beginning to talk about this. And and I I just want to let you know that our goal this year is 100,000. And so we are just going to respond to God through worship and through prayer about how we can be a part of this. So I hope that we're all just praying about our part and just how we can be a part of this and making Jesus the one we give the most to on this birthday uh on his birthday which is which is christmas coming up so jeff and arlene i'm going to invite you all to give an update so jeff and arlene berg there listen we do we do life together we love having them here at Crossroads, don't we come on up front guys and so jeff and arlene are here to share an update uh friends of uh israel and ministry and so uh, you guys can guys thank thank god for them
3: wonderful to be here as usual when we are a lot of times we're speaking in other churches we're missionaries but boy thank you so much for your love and for your part in the ministry to the beloved Jewish people since 1990 Mm -hmm. since 1990 we so appreciate your part in it and uh, God has given us a wonderful ministry we're in some Jewish facilities we're we have Yiddish clubs. If you want to ask us what Yiddish is, come up to us afterwards at the table. Uh, we've had Bible studies. We just started a new worship service, believe it or not, in a Jewish facility where there's non-Jewish people, but we're praying Jewish people will come. We have contact with individual Jewish people outside of there. And um, in the past, Jewish people um, have really appreciated what we've been doing, and some have come to the Lord. But thank you so much for your part and um, for all that you are. We love coming here.
4: Yeah, it's so wonderful that uh, Crossroads Ministries is our home church. And for a missionary or a missionary couple, you could say, uh, this church is the base of operations for spiritual warfare. You have to think about that. And uh, this is where we come to get fed. And uh, when we go out, into the community. Uh, We're the arm of Crossroads Ministries with the heart of Jesus uh, as we do it. And uh, just uh, not long ago when you people were preparing for that big ministry of Trunk or Treat, we were in Shunley Park uh, with maybe about a couple thousand Jewish people uh, remembering the Tree of Life massacre, you could say. And uh, God Providentially brought across our path uh, one of the survivors of that shooting and and his wife. And we were able to uh, have just a a wonderful visit with them. It was just for a short window of time. We were able to give them spiritual encouragement and love. And uh, we're praying for a second time where we'll see them again. We know if God ordained it, He will bring them back to pass again. Also, uh, we're so thankful for the ambulance project. It's been a very slow, ongoing thing. But uh, we've had to raise $100,000 for that ambulance, which is just like the goal here. All we have left is $10,600 to go. So we're praying for that end. It, it will be there. And uh, also, please make sure you come to the uh, our table. Pick up an Israel My Glory. This Particular issue is on Isaiah 53 and its connection with Christmas. It's really, really good. There's other, some other good things there. Pick up a prayer card and also join our prayer letter newsletter list. Uh, we'd love to get more on, to get more people praying. But uh, we love you. Thank you for your heart for us over the years. And it's always a joy when we can be here on Sunday mornings. Thanks.
2: So, so Jeff and Arlene are a part of our birthday gift to Jesus. You can see them at the top of the list as you guys look at that. But, again, praying for your, your part and how you can make Jesus the one you give the most to this Christmas season. But, Jeff and Arlene, we give thanks for you guys. Jeff, would you pray over our offering this morning?
4: Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. And we just thank you, Lord, for such a, a generous church as Crossroads Ministries. And we know it's from the heart of the believer And, Lord, we pray that you would just uh, bless the giving, continue to bless it, and we pray, Lord, that it would bring much fruit, especially into souls around the area, within the church, of people coming, and also to our beloved Squirrel Hill Jewish community. And we just thank you for each one, each one on the pastor's staff and, and what they do. But, again, we just pray, Lord, that, For everything that you've provided for us, Lord, we just pray that you would bless the provision you've given to us back to you and you would glorify it. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Last week you had a real treat with Jim Watts, huh? Can we thank God for Pastor Jim? How about that? Today, uh, Pastor Jim is up in in Newcastle speaking at his son's church, at, New, at City Church Newcastle. So me and Josh kind of teamed up on him. I said, hey, Josh, I asked your dad to speak, but he didn't say yes yet. So why don't you ask him to speak, because I knew... Josh was going to be away. Josh is actually in the country of Turkey this morning. He had a real missions opportunity, and so that's kind of an exciting thing we'll hear about for sure. <clears throat> but he, he had an opportunity to go away. I said, okay, go ahead and go. You ask your dad, and then I'll tell him he can just preach the same sermon here up at your place next week, right? And so uh, Jim is up there preaching probably the same message. Let's thank God for Pastor Jim. We thank God for him, right? And then the week before, you had Eric McIlvenny. Eric McIlvenny was uh, here. He was speaking. And then he left and went to Abu Dhabi and uh, competed in another race, and I saw him out yesterday with a third and fourth graders. He was back here serving with the third and fourth graders, going out, and they had a service project here yesterday, and here he was, and I thought, how cool is that? This guy is traveling all over the world, and then he comes back home and just jumps right in. This is his church family. Man, we're thankful for our church family, aren't you? God's given us a great family. Thanks be to God. He's so good to us. So um, we're continuing our series on Remarkable. We're picking up here today. We took a few weeks off. We're going to talk in Mark this week and next week, and then we're going to move into a bit of a holiday series. But as we've come through the book of Mark, we look through the. You know, it's been 36 weeks we've been going through the book of Mark. We have been studying verse by verse. Who is this Jesus? Is he a man or is he a myth? Uh, is he God? And so Mark is trying to help you understand that this is the son of God. Jesus calls himself, refers to himself as the son of man. You see it over and over and over. So as we came off last uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, actually, all right? Three Sundays ago, we shared about blind Bartimaeus. It was the end of his public ministry. He's coming into the final week. And as you turn the page, you go to Mark chapter 11, you now begin to read about what you call Holy Week. You see the step-by-step all the way to the cross, the very last week. So you have five chapters that take on the very last week of the life of Christ. And as you go through there, if you read Mark chapter 1 through 11, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 11 verses 1 through 11, you will find that this is the uh, Palm Sunday account. And you see Jesus coming in on the donkey and there's crowds that are, that are, that are saying, Hosanna, save now. They, they want him to be saved now. They want him to come as the king now. And we talked about that on Palm Sunday several months ago. And so today we're going to pick up in chapter 11 verse 12. It's the next day. It's Monday. We've come off of, we've come off of Palm Sunday. All the ride, all the fun, all the excitement, all the cheering. Jesus had looked over the city in the book of John and it says that he wept over the city. He cried. In the Greek it is he cried uncontrollably over the city because he knew about their lostness. He could see that they just weren't connecting. They didn't catch it. They had a form of godliness, but they were far from God. Mark chapter 11, picking up here, verse 12. On the next day, this is now Monday morning, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. It's kind of interesting that Mark gives you those little notes there. He's 100% God, 100% man. Jesus was hungry. Just like you get hungry, Jesus was hungry. And seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf... He went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. However, Jesus looks at it and he says to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. And you say, well, what's going on here? Is Jesus cursing a, a fig tree because cause there's no food and he's hungry? Like, you, you don't see that. That's not consistent with what we see in the Bible. Jesus doesn't go and just do something for himself. So, no, he wasn't cursing the tree because he was hungry. He was cursing the tree because he's going to make an example here. And he's making a it's a live parable, if you will. And he's, he's teaching the disciples something here. You see... What's the big deal about it not being fruit if there's no, if it's not even fruit season? Mark tells you here, it wasn't the season when figs would normally be on the tree, but he came over and there was no fruit. Well, of course there's no fruit. It's not the fig season. It's not the season for the full blown fig. But let me just explain to you a little bit about a fig tree. Now, I'm no arborist, alright? I don't know much about trees. I had a guy come in my neighborhood one time and he told me, he says, I can cut your tree right now. This is the right season. I should, I should prune your tree now. I said, well, how about we wait till a little bit later? He says, no. This is the time you do it now. But if you do it later, if I come back in three months, that's the wrong season. It'll actually harm your tree. Molds grow in this different thing. But that neighbor's tree over there, it's a different type of tree. And I could prune their tree three months from now, but not your tree. Your tree's now. And so I was like, am I getting a sale job here or what am I getting, right? But the guy knew everything about trees. It was amazing. And so I did a little bit of research on the fig tree. And so what I put up here on the screen is these are the fig leaves. So when Jesus come over to the tree, he sees fig leaves. There's no fruit. Well, what? What's the big deal? It's not the season for fruit. Well, what would happen in the cycle of the fig tree? You would have there would be there would be a leaf, and then it would produce the fruit, right? And then on the on the back side of it, there would be another fruit that would be be produced, and it was known as the pre-fig. Or they called it the, the Braba fig. And it was just small. It was like the size of an almond. And, and so you look at, look at this. Look at just these small little figs that would be on a tree. So as, as you would, as you would be seeing the, the fig leaves at this time of year, you wouldn't see the full blown fruit, but you would see the small pre-fruit. the Braba fig that appeared before the leaf. And then after the leaf appears would come the full blown fruit that would happen later on. So Jesus would go over. He would see the leaves and would expect to find this Braba fruit. And so when he's walking by, a traveler would just walk by and snack on a little bit of that. It'd be, it'd be a, a different taste of the fig. It, was just, it wasn't like the, the fig that you make your fig Newtons from, right? Okay. How many eat your fig Newtons, right? That's an outdated food, I guess, right? But that's only, you have to be 50-year-old or eat fig Newtons, right? Anyhow, so, so you, 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 Jesus would come and take off the, the little The the Brava fruit, the, the, the early fig. And so what Jesus was saying was this. He came to the tree and he didn't see the Brava. He saw the first picture. He saw just leaves. He sees just fig leaves. And as he looks at it, he realizes that this tree looks good. This tree looks like it's going to produce fruit. But it's not. There's no Brava the sign of that early fruit. What Jesus was saying, look, this fig tree has a root problem. And so when he came along and he, he condemns it, he condemns it because it had the appearance of fruit, but there was a problem at the root that was not going to be able to produce fruit. Um, that's what trees do. If you plant an apple tree, what grows next year? Apples, right? You get apples on the tree. So you plant it. Well, maybe not in a year you get apples, right? But every year, once the tree comes to maturity, you get apples. Then that apple falls down and it, it lays on the ground. And unless you pick it up, next year there's a seedling for the next tree because it's rotted and the seed goes into the ground. And that's how the tree reproduces. That's what it's supposed to do. This fig tree wasn't going to reproduce because it had a root problem. And so Jesus condemns the tree. And what he was doing by that, he's showing a condemnation here of what was going on in Israel at the time. If you go into Psalm chapter 80, you will see that Israel is known as the fig tree and the vineyard. So Jesus is coming along, and whenever he's saying this, the disciples are, like, perplexed. They're taking this in. They're, like, not sure really what he's talking about. And, but he gives them this big message because Israel, you see, the whole point for Israel was that they had a bigger mission that they weren't fulfilling. And Israel, too, was fruitless. Israel was going through the motions as a matter of fact look what happens the very next verse verse 15 then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and he began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple he uh, he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves and then he would not permit anyone to carry merchandise throughout the temple. Uh, this is a big deal. Jesus comes in, and, and what had happened was they had taken this area in the temple court, and they had made it like Wall Street. Do you ever see the pictures on Wall Street? You know, and the people run around. That's what it was. They had taken this area, and they had totally destroyed it, and they made this thing. You know, People were selling sheep, at, you know, the, the lambs, for the, for the sacrifice. It was Passover week. Hundreds of thousands of people were coming in to this little town of Jerusalem. They all had to go to the temple for their, for their sacrifice. And so as they came for their sacrifice, they would see, uh, they, they saw the, uh, the, 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 to buy their sacrifice right there. They could just buy it and go in. And so Jesus said, listen, you have, you have destroyed this place. Look what he continues. This is so wild. He began to teach. And for whatever reason, I miss this. For years. I saw that he overturned the tables, right? Because when you watch the video, that's what you see. Rah! And he's throwing the tables and, the, and he's chasing everybody around. Get out of here! And that's what you see, right? Well, he did that. Then he pulls up his teaching stool. Like any good rabbi would. And he began to teach him. He says, is it not written? And what's he do, he quotes from Isaiah. He says, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer. For all the nations. But you have made it a robber's den. You see, what was the problem here was that they had fruit. They were coming out. They, they didn't have fruit. They had leaves. They had the appearance of fruit, but no fruit. They were coming into worship, and as they were coming into worship, they would make all this, uh, all this, and we're going to, yeah, we'll leave that verse there. They would come in and they began to teach, Jesus teaching, My house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations. And you're like, well, What's the big deal? They were, they were coming in, and they were buying their sacrifice, and then they would go back. Well, let me explain to you a little bit of the temple layout. There were certain areas of the temple that you could go and certain areas that you couldn't go. One of the, 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 the biggest area that you know, that, have, that you have heard about, is the holiest, Holy of Holies. It's a small area in the in the very back of the temple. This is where the priest would come and make his sacrifice for the country. It was on the Day of Atonement. He would go behind the curtain into the Holy of Holies and he would meet with God. It was this is where you hear about hear about them uh, having bells on his robe. Remember they put bells on his robe so that they would know if he's still alive back there. It was the holiest of holies. Nobody could go back there but the high priest. And so the high priest goes back there, and, he, and he's able to, to make the atonement for the sin. And he goes through, and he takes the, the, the lamb sacrifice. But all the people were to come in and make their sacrifice. And so they could go into different parts of the temple. There was a, a court known as the Court of Men. That's where the men, the Jewish men, could hang out. That's where the Jewish men could worship. There was the Court of Women. That's where the Jewish women could worship. And then there was another court, and this was the outer court. This is known as the court of the Gentiles, or the court of the nations. And Jesus said, listen, you have made this. And so what they did was they took the area that was supposed to be a place of prayer for all the people that were non-Jewish to come in and find God, and they turned it into a place of Wall Street buying and selling. They turned it in and said, we are going to do it our way. We're going to make it our way. And Jesus comes in and he overturns the tables. And by the way, doesn't Jesus have a way of doing that? Overturning your table when you think this is the thing you ought to be doing? Like those people were going through the motions. And so Jesus every now and then has to come into your life and he has to overturn a table or two, doesn't he? Because you just got so comfortable and you said, well, listen, these people were going through the motions they had missed it they 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 took this place that was supposed to be for the people on the outside the all the other nations when when god came to abraham and said i'm going to make your name great and i will make you a nation the father of all right and he goes through all this the of uh, this the father of this whole nation he he does this and as he does it he says listen so that the whole world may know the mission was never just for israel to be this isolated us and no more. It was to be God would work through Israel and the whole world would know about God. The whole world would glorify God because through Israel God would come. Well, He did. He came in the person of Jesus. And as Jesus comes in that day, it's it's Monday of Holy Week, He walks through and He sees this, uh, sees that fig tree. He condemns the fig tree. It's a big object lesson. And then He comes in and He teaches them. Verse 18, the chief priests and the scribes heard this and they began seeking how to destroy him for they were afraid of him for the whole crowd was astonished at his teaching. Verse 19, when evening came, they would go out of the city and then look what Peter does. I love this. They were passing by in the morning. So the next morning, now you're on to Tuesday. Uh, they saw the fig tree withered up from the roofs and look what Peter does. I love it. Peter always gets the... Good one-liners. Have you noticed that? Peter always speaks up when you say, What are you doing, Peter? He says, Rabbi, look! Some translations put a double explanation point there. Because that's the emphaticness of how he's calling the Lord. He says, Rabbi, look! The fig tree which you cursed has withered. And it was all withered up from the roots up. And Jesus made his object lesson. He shows them, and they're kind of blown away by this whole deal. You know, when Jesus says that something is blessed, you ought to take note of it. And when he says that something is cursed, you ought to take note of that. And um, and what's happening here is Jesus is saying the nation of Israel is going to lose their privilege. They had a privilege that the whole world may know. Well, Jesus still came through and kept his promise, didn't he? He kept his promise, and thanks be to God for uh, our missionaries that are still telling the people of, of Israel, the Jewish people, the descendants of Abraham, about the good news of Jesus. But I'm also thankful that, uh, that, that God says, listen, I, I want you to produce fruit. You see, as you look at this, the nation of Israel, they were—they the, the deal was they were going through the motions. They went to church. They knew how to sing the songs. They knew how to do all the ritual. They knew how to get the spotless lamb and how to choose it. And they followed everything to the letter of the law, but their heart was far from God. And so this is what God was saying. When Jesus is walking down here, He's saying, Listen, there's a problem here. You have taken My house that was here to worship Me and to bring all nations unto Me. This was a place to be quiet and be in His presence and you turned it into your way and you have walked away from the things of God. I want to remind you here of the blessings of God versus the cursing of God. Uh, It's not not going to go well in your life if you don't bear fruit either. I want you to think about this. As a follower of Christ, um, I heard this, how do you tell a follower of Christ? How can you tell somebody's a follower of Christ? They follow Christ. You do what Christ does. You do what He says. You you get His attitudes. You get His actions. You are a follower of Christ. You're no longer following your desires. You're no longer following your comfort. You're no longer making yourself the center. You are following Christ. As a matter of fact, when John the Baptist was on the scene before, before Jesus came... And started his public ministry. John the Baptist is baptizing. And all these people were coming. And they were good religious people were coming to get baptized. And look what he does here. Look at this. Over in Luke chapter 3. John. So he began saying to the crowds who were going to be baptized by him. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Verse 8. Therefore bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not. Begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. You see, many people were having this idea on that day. Well, hey, listen, we're part of the, we're, we're the Jewish people. We're part of the, the chosen. God is our father. Abraham is our father. Look, we're the descendants of Abraham. I'm so thankful today that there is not a bloodline to get to God. It is Christ. Amen. It is not, now the bloodline is through Christ. That's the only blood. Amen? That's it. His blood on the cross is what gets you to heaven. But could you imagine living in a world where people said, well, I happen to be born as a descendant of Abraham. We all can be descendants of Abraham. Look at this. He says this. He says, for I say to you that these stones God is able, from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Listen, God can make us all. Part of his family. Do you remember that song you sang when you were a kid? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had fo- right arm, left arm, right foot. Yeah. yeah, we did that for days. That was the greatest way to get, out, get the teacher not to teach. Hey, can we sing that song again? It was like a six-hour song, you know? We love that. God says, listen, you don't have to be a part of the line. You don't have to be a Jew to come to Christ, to come to God. But he does talk here, John talks about repentance. He says, listen, I want you to catch us because repentance is a big part of this. So you've got to turn, even though you do the religious things really well, you've got to turn to God. Look what he tells him. Indeed, the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. See, God has an issue. I created you to bear fruit. You're not bearing fruit. He condemns the fig tree. His biggest condemnation was of not bearing fruit. That's what the problem with the Pharisees was. The Pharisees had outward, they had leaves. They looked really good. But their heart was far from God. There was no fruit. So every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what should we do? We're here to get baptized. What should we do? And he would answer and he would say to them, the man uh, who has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And he who has food is to do likewise. He says not to be selfish. He says it's time. This is part of repentance. You see the fruit? The fruit is you you let that stuff go. Go. Uh, and he continues on. He says, and, and some tax collectors also came to be baptized. And they said to him, teacher, what shall we do? Remember the tax collectors of that day. If you owed $100 tax, they'd collect $1,000. It's a great business to get into, wasn't it? And they'd make all that extra profit. Look how he responds to them. Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. You see, there was a change. If you're going to follow God, the next step is the change. It's not to change and then follow God. It's follow God and then change. He says that your life will show this repentance. See, if you have good roots, God will grow this through you. And that's what he says. I want you to have a root check. Because if, if your life is no different on the other side of, of, of your salvation experience, maybe you need to get your roots checked. And you need to look, am I rooted in Christ? Verse 14, some soldiers were questioning him, saying, What about us? What shall we do? Some of the soldiers were questioning In that day, the Roman soldiers had a terrible reputation. uh, Just mean, nasty. Uh, look, Look what he says here to them. Do not take money from anyone by force, or accuse anyone falsely, and be content with your wages. He says, What's the change? And so John the Baptist was coming... And he's telling them this is the fruit of repentance. And so in your life, many people think if I do good things, I'll get to God. Well, that's just not true. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say if you do good things, you get to God. The Bible says to follow God and he will produce good things in your life. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. The very next verse says, For we are his workmanship created, we are his masterpiece, his workmanship created by him to do good works that he has planned for us to do. So it is not my good works that get me to God. But I'll tell you what, if I'm heading towards God, there's going to be fruit in my life. And so I want, to, I want to encourage you to look at some of the fruit in your life and, and think about this. Because in the Bible, fruit is all over the Bible. You go back to Genesis chapter, early chapters of Genesis. Be fruitful and multiply, right? So God's called us to be fruitful and multiply. God wants to see lasting fruit in our life. We are called by Christ to be fruitful. Would you read that with me? We are called by Christ to be fruitful. Um, fruit, fruitfulness is what God's called us to do. And so what is the fruit in your life? Well, Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering. Uh, and you you look at this list of things that God produces in your life. That's the fruit He produces in your life. Um, what what are some of the other fruit that He produces in your life? I want to encourage you to, to think about this. Um, when you grow an apple tree, apples grow next year. There's apple seedlings. Another apple tree grows and produces other apples. If not, there's something wrong with the process. This fig tree was somebody, somehow a seed got there. I was uh, just in Florida for this trip last week with the Timothy Initiative, and they told us about the, they call it the strangling fig tree. It's fascinating. This fig tree will wrap itself around another, because, you know, I knew I was teaching this. I'm like, tell me more about the fig tree, you know. And, and and it's like this, you look it up, the strangling fig tree, it's so cool. And the guy said, yeah, and you know what? The only way that it happened over here was because a bird ate the seedling and dropped it out of his droppings onto the top of the tree. And over here, this began to grow and grow this way. And I said, that's fascinating. But that's the way it works. When you plant a seed, fruit will come. And so if the seed of God has been planted in your life, You ought to start looking for fruit. And some of that fruit, not only is it your attitude, not only is it your actions, but it will be other believers. You see, apples, other apple trees grow. Followers of Christ, there will be other followers of Christ around you. You will just naturally, listen, when you hear something good, you will tell people about it, right? If If you heard about the new pizza store in town, don't you tell people about it? I love it, man. That's the way it works, right? My neighbor told me about pizza. So what'd I do? I went and got a pizza. That's how it works. They didn't advertise to me. They didn't call me. They just said, my neighbor said, hey, you got to check this out. So I told my wife, I have to listen to my neighbor. This is the right thing to do. So we went and got a pizza at his recommendation. You know what you do about Christ? You go out and you tell them how good God is. And it's your recommendation they start to taste Christ. They start to taste and see that He is good. And pretty soon you have the opportunity to share more. Pretty soon all of a sudden God develops this and grows this in your life and you see other believers. I have, and when I die, I want to see all kind of believers after I'm gone. I, I want to see people that will outlive what I have said here. Like out, outlive me. They will the, the little kids in our church. Listen, we're planting seeds. I want to see them grow up to be mighty oaks. Man, as we keep planting seeds, this thing keeps growing and keeps growing and keeps growing. Acorn falls, an oak tree comes up. And so that's what happens in the church. It's what's supposed to happen in our community. And so God's called us to do that. Because, um, because look here at the verse here from John chapter 15. John 15, He appointed you that you would go out and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. Man, after you have been to town, you have lived in any town and you move on to the next town, there should be some fruit remaining because you lived there. Because the street you lived on, you made an impact and you got to, you got to plant the fruit. Fruitfulness, the producing fruit in our life is how we glorify God. Being fruitful, let's say this, being fruitful is the way we glorify God. Like you want to glorify the Lord, it's by the fruit that comes out of your life. And again, I can't go home and say, produce fruit, produce fruit, produce fruit. I have to go down and put my roots down deep, as Colossians says. Get rooted in Christ. And as you get rooted in Christ, He will produce this. And now I begin to share and I begin to care and watch what God does. Uh, Fruitfulness pleases God. If you go over here to Colossians chapter 110, you would read that fruitfulness pleases God. This is, you want to please God? You go out and you be fruitful. Jesus' most severe judgment was on unfruitfulness. He created Israel to do this, and they didn't follow. They had a form of godliness, but they didn't have the relationship. They had a root problem. And so today I want to encourage you, think about the people in your life. Think about the people that you can share Christ with. You know, I've been thinking about this and I'm like, you know what, how many people am I sharing Jesus with? When's the last time I talked to somebody that needs the Savior? Oh, I talk on Sunday all the time, but when's the last time throughout the week that I stopped somebody and said, hey, can I tell you about my Savior? So we're, we're coming home and I get on to... Um, on the southwest we we flew southwest the cheapest tickets we could find and you know i didn't realize that you're supposed to check in like the day before in order to get a decent seat because they don't have assigned seats they have group a b and c and we was in the c of the c almost to d and so what that means is nobody's assigned seats that means when you get on the plane all the window seats and the aisle seats are taken so me and my wife get on the plane. There's like not two seats together. And uh, on the way down, you know, I, I had to sit in the middle seat. You know what that's like? Sitting next to me in the middle seat? I just naturally take a little bit of your seat too. And, and so, so I, I mean, I, on the way down and on the, on the plane, you got the mask on, you know. So I had the mask on and I'm sitting like this. And there's this guy on this side. He's about my size and the other guy in my size on the other side of me. And they're like, did you have to sit here? And I'm like, we didn't say a word the whole way. We couldn't breathe. I mean, it's it's just the way it was. So on the way home, I said, I'm going to check in a little bit earlier. So I got into section C. We were number 7 and 8 on section C instead of like 38, right? So, So, man, we got on. I hope we'd get two seats together. Nope, no two seats together. My wife, she goes down. She knows my dilemma. Because every row I walk by, they're like, no. (laughs) No, please, no. My wife sees this one row and had two ladies, rather small ladies. She goes, you sit there. I was like, thank you, honey. And they're like, no. No. Ladies are looking at me like, no, no, no. And and so I said, I have to. My wife told me I have to sit here. So I, I came in. I, I sat down. I sit down on the plane. And you got the mask on. And, you know, on the way down, nobody was talking because, you know, you got the mask on and we couldn't breathe because we took up every inch of space. And this lady next to me, she was an elderly lady. She started talking from, like, 10 minutes before we took off, till 10 minutes after we landed. Like two and a half hours, nonstop. You think I can talk? This lady loved to talk. And so I got on the plane, I'm I'm sitting there, you know, I got room to breathe because this lady's small and this lady's small. She's 84 and, you know, I'm 50 something. And I took all over the room and, and she started talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. And I had my mask on, and I'm,
4: I'm like, wah, 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 wah.
0: And I'm trying to talk, and I'm holding this conversation, and it hit me while we're in the air. I've got to talk to this lady about Jesus. She needs to know the good news. And so I gave myself every excuse not to do it. i got a mask on, you know, this and that. But she, I, listen, I could tell you everything. She's a wonderful lady. But as the plane's starting to gear down, you know how, like, you're coming in for the landing? And all of a sudden you hear the, you know, hey, we're, we're 10 minutes away from landing in Pittsburgh. Shhh. The engines start roaring a little bit louder. I just, we've had to talking about religion. And I said, I said, uh, I didn't tell her I was a pastor because that kind of ends the conversation right away. It's just terrible. I'm a pastor. Okay, can you sit back there? I'll move. You don't have to move. I'll move. I'll sit anywhere. Um, so we got to talking and, and I said, I said uh, do you know for sure? If you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven. Now, that's a fun question to ask on an airplane. <laughs> They're looking at you like, what do you know that I don't?
1: And
0: then I said, let me say it like this. If you died right now and Jesus asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? She goes, I never thought of that. The lady was 84 years old. Just lost her husband six months earlier. So I get to tell her that Jesus died on the cross and paid for her sin. And he rose again. And there's only one way to get to God. It's not by going to church. It's by trusting Jesus. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I had this divine appointment because this was the only place that my wife would let me sit. And so I tell her about this. And we're landing. She goes, That's amazing. And then it was time to get off the plane. And I, I said, I'm a pastor. She goes, You are? <laughs> I said, Yeah, let me look in my bag. I might have something to help you more. And I was a disorganized pastor because I didn't have any literature, nothing to help her, but I did have one of my cards. I said, here's my card. Look me up. Send me an email. I'm going to, I want to talk more about this with you. And so what I did was I was able to plant the seed. And you know why I did that? Because I'm a follower of Christ. And followers of Christ will produce other followers of Christ. It, it wasn't like pulling teeth. It was like, God... You're screaming at me. i got to do that. i got to tell her about you. And, and, and when I did, it wasn't condemning. It was wonderful. It was like Jesus is the greatest message. And, and we had this great talk. And, you know, I'm praying for her. She's a wonderful lady. But she needs the good news of Jesus. And so, so she lives on the other side of Pittsburgh. And, 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 and listen, that's what God will do with you. You have many more of those opportunities than I do probably. Many of you travel more than I do. Many of you are out in the community more than I am. You have people that you can tell. And you know what? It's just natural. It comes out of us. Hey, you know, it's like my neighbor told me, you want a good pizza, you go down here. I tell everybody everywhere I go, you want freedom? You want peace? This is where you go. And here's the only way you can get there is through God. You know what Jesus did here as, he wraps up this, as we wrap up this passage? Jesus comes and he gives them the key to fruitfulness. And here's how he has fruitfulness. Verse 22, Jesus answered them and said, Have faith in God. Have faith in God, verse 22. And then he continues. He says, truly, verse 23, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. He starts to talk about prayer. He says, listen, this, this is what you get to do. And verse 24, he continues. He says, therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. So he says, listen, you've got this lifeline to God. And so you're out there. You want to you want to be fruitful. Here's where the fruit comes from. It comes from having faith in God. It comes from being connected to God. It comes from actually praying and meeting with him and having a relationship with him. Verse 25, whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father, forgive so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. He takes it a step further. He says, For if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you of your transgressions. You know, one of the fruits of a a follower of Christ is I can forgive because I'm forgiven. Like, I can forgive everybody who's ever harmed me, everybody who's ever wronged me, everybody who's ever said anything bad about me. I can forgive them because that's what God's told me to do. Because I have been forgiven. Because my sin against the Holy God, I should be condemned and separated from Him forever and ever. And God says, I have extended grace to you. You want your prayer life to be revitalized? Forgive. That doesn't mean that you have to become best friends again with the person who's offended you. Many, many times you just can't do that. The, the trust is completely broken. But for you to forgive, to let it go, to like break that chain, God says that's what's going to make your prayers be answered in heaven. And if you go through there and you look at there, I'm just going to give you three thoughts here as we close on on those few verses. Have faith in God means this, to pray without doubting God's power and goodness. Would you read that with me? Pray without doubting God's power and goodness. You see, there's bad things happening in your life all the time. You've got to always believe that God is good and that He is powerful. It doesn't mean that God will answer the way we want Him to answer. Many times, the answer is not the way we want it to be answered. But He will hear us. He will listen to us. And so when you pray, I don't doubt the goodness of God. Man, you cannot doubt the goodness of God. Life is bad. We live in a broken and fallen world. There are so many things that we deal with. Health crisis, financial crisis, emotional crisis. Pray without doubting God's power and His goodness. Secondly, pray with an acceptance that God's power can accomplish what you ask. He is able, the Scripture says. He is able. And I love how Jesus says, Hey, if you tell that mountain to move from here to there, it will be moved. You don't take that verse out of context because everything that Jesus says in His Word, He says, listen, pray in the name of Jesus. Pray according to what His will is. So listen, if we're asking for your friend to come to Christ, there's mountains in their life that are stopping them from viewing Christ. Lord, move that mountain for them. There's things in your life, God, you come before Him and lay it at the feet of God. Number three, pray with grudges moved. Through forgiveness. Remove grudges through forgiveness. Because God says, listen, you can't pray with, you have to pray with holy hands. You can't pray with angry hands. You have to be holy hands. And see, if I'm holding a grudge on somebody here, I can't even look up because I'm still focused over here. God says, you've got to pray with holy hands and you've got to let it go. And look up to the Father. That's how we become fruitful. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I I want to take you to the cross. This was on Monday. Jesus is having this discussion. It's on Monday. Friday, He would be on the cross. He died for you. He paid the price for your sin. He came back to life again for you. He saved you unto Himself. To do the things that He's called you to do. There's fruit in your life He wants to produce. But maybe this morning you have a root problem. You know, you can try and look good and have all the leaves. But the fruit comes from God. Father God, I pray You'll be with each person as they respond to You right now, Lord. God, let Your Word dwell in us richly. Lord, I pray, my prayer for our church family, Lord, is that we will be rooted in Christ. Oh, not just in knowledge, but that we will be transformed. Father, many of us have knowledge for years on end. Lord, we need your transformation today. Lord, help each one of us as we respond to you. And Lord, help each person as we leave this place, as they make decisions in their life. God, I I know that you're the one who produces fruit. So, God, as we look to produce fruit in our life, we want to keep coming back to you and let our roots dig down deep in you. So, Father, that's my prayer for our church. Take us to the next level. Grow us, Lord, and transform us by the power of your might. In your name we pray.
1: morning. Amen. On behalf of Crossroads, we want to thank you for being here. Please go in peace this morning. You
4: are dismissed.